I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Nuggets numbers. I am your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday afternoon. Nuggets numbers on the Denver Stiffs podcast network. Today I've got a great guest for you guys. The head honcho himself recently deeming me the senior writer for Denver Stiffs. It's Adam Morris. Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing great and I think it's time we also give you the title of senior podcast host. I think uh, another big announcement today. Wow, hey, moving up in the world. I, I can't believe it. This is a this is a dream come true. Thank you. I'd like to thank the Academy first. Uh, just wanted to make sure that everybody out there knows that this is official. So Adam, thank you again for coming on. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing very good. Um, the Nuggets got a win. You might not know it from um, the manic nature of Nuggets Nation and Nuggets fans, but they actually got a win and I think have won like seven of eight or something like that. Yeah, no, it's uh, kind of surprising. Eight and two over the last ten games, and you wouldn't really know it based off of the general mood around Nuggets Nation and how everybody's feeling based off of the way that the games have been played not necessarily the results themselves, but we'll get into that. We'll get into the rest of the schedule. I want to talk about various players individually, but first, every single time I bring on a guest here, I ask them to play Guess the Nugget. It's a statistical game that I've been running for pretty much the entire podcast when when I get to quiz any of the Denver Stiffs and general Nuggets writers. So going to ask you a few, give you a few hints, and after the hints, you get one guess, and if you get it right, then great. If not, then everybody's going to think you're a fraud. <laughs> Sounds fair. <laughs> All right, so are you ready to go? Let's do it. All right, so this player's season high this year in points is 23. They are shooting 45% from two-point range this year, and they have a career-low steal rate at 0.9%. Say, say those numbers again. The The steal rate is 0.9%. And what was the field goal percentage? The field goal percentage from two-point range, just not not overall two-point range, okay. is, is at 45%, which is generally pretty low. Man, so somebody, somebody shooting, somebody struggling from the field, there's a couple different people here. I wouldn't guess Gary is that low. Low steal rate. Man, Barton? It is Will Barton. Nice job. Oh. It had to be one of the two. It had to be, I thought, one of those two, but Gary, I think, would be shooting a little bit better from two. At least I hope he is. Actually, I'm not that confident that he is. Yeah, it's, it's been it's been quite the uh, quite the adventure with those two starting wings this year. I 
kind of kind of surprised based off of not only the injuries of course but just kind of a general regression from from both of those guys if you if you caught that first hint the season high from this year for Will Barton is just 23 points which if if you've gotten to know Will Barton over the past few years with Denver he knows how to put the ball in the hole and and last year I think his career high was 37 he's had 36 before 23 points when he's been playing mostly starter minutes for the last two months is that part doesn't dis- dis- surprise me at all because he had uh, basically a game and a half where he was like at full strength and then coming back in the lineup not only are you like trying to get your legs under you but this is something we've seen with gary harris I- i've talked about this on lockdown nuggets for today's show um gary harris doesn't seem as involved in the offense and i think a part of that is just when you miss time you just try to blend in when you come back and i feel like that's what gary harris is doing is just blending in so the high point total for a single game didn't really surprise me with either of those two guys do you know what gary harris is high is on the air i believe it's i believe it's 27 from the last time i looked so like like you said early in the year uh i believe it was actually from the story that i that i was referencing with paul Millsap's game in portland it was against portland earlier in the year it was 27 Oh, wow. Yeah, so, um, actually, I just pulled up Gary Harris's log. I think he had 28 on the, in the third game of the year against the Warriors. Um, he had, a, he had mm. double figures in all of the first 11 games, and then he had them, and then he had one without it, and then he had another, like, seven games. Then he got hurt, and it feels like double figures is almost, like, not- noteworthy for him since then. This is a pretty good transition into just kind of talking about the Denver Nuggets guards in general. Uh, the number I want to pull for this one is there are 81 total playoff minutes for Denver's guards this season, and they're all from Will Barton. Uh, this is excluding Isaiah Thomas, who I don't think is going to get a lot of time, that's for sure. Uh, how do you how do you feel about the general inexperience of this group and, and what we can expect? Um, I don't know that the inexperience thing is going to be big. I don't know that they're going to be getting like noticeably different shots in the postseason. I know a lot of people think like teams are going to start sending the double and Nuggets have no counter. <laughs> like, stuff like that I think is, is crazy. Um, for Jokic, I think it'll be different. Um, for Murray, I think it'll be different. But for guys like Barton, Monte, Malik, Gary, I, I think those guys, the, the game will be more or less the same. They're, they're mostly finishers. Other than Monte, they're mostly finishers anyway. And they'll be getting finishers looks for the most part. So I, I think, I, I think it, the, the playoffs, it, first of all, it, it was funny. I was talking to somebody in basketball analytics last week um, for a team. And they were talking about how statistically speaking, the difference between the postseason and regular season is pretty overrated. Um, and there's a reason that like point differential is the number one indicator of playoff success. Um, point differential during the regular season is the biggest indicator for how a team will fare in the playoffs. So, Interesting. Um, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I, I totally concur. The Nuggets, as of this point, have a, a strong net rating. They've Their point differential has been very consistent going back for months now. Uh, they've only had one month, I believe, where it was December, where they were actually struggling a little bit in that regard. But, but the rest of their net ratings month by month have been very consistent, even with the recent kind of... Uh, the the play that has not has not gone over well over the past ten games, even though they're they're still eight and two. Like it's 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 so funny. I'm telling you, it is absurd. It is absurd the way we view this team and talk about this team when they are yeah, like you said, eight and 
and two over their last ten games. It, it blows my mind, and I get it. They haven't looked like world beaters, but they're eight and two. The, the result is what matters, you know, as much as anything. Yeah, but have, having a, having a hard time coming up with words to really describe what's going on. I think I think the general thing that we're getting here with this team, with these guards specifically, is that we really we we don't know. But we know through the regular season what these guys are. We know what they provide. We know what they do. Uh, the only question is what's whether that's going to actually change in the playoffs, and that that can only be answered when we actually hit a playoff series. So uh, let's let's round back over to the guards real quick. Who do you think's have the best individual season among this kind of quintet of guys that are playing? So even including the bench. Yeah, like I'll, I'll go Murray, Harris, Barton, uh, Beasley, Morris of those five. I, I think I think it's easily Monte Morris. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he's <laughs> underrated in in terms of the impact he has on the team. Not just from a like what he was, you know, who he's replacing in the lineup, but just even in a vacuum. I think he's probably one of the five best players on this team over the course of the season. Not even factoring injuries because he's been relatively healthy all year. Um, but yeah, just I, I think Monte is one of the five best players on the team, and and he's having by far of, of that group, I would say the the best season. I think I agree with that, especially relative to expectations. You didn't really know yeah. what you're getting with with Morris at the beginning of the year, but what he's doing, I think he has the most win shares of all those guards. I think he's he's the highest in RPM and and all of those advanced metrics. But really, it's it's not even statistical. It's just the way that he handles himself, the way that he yeah. operates the game from game to game, how he operates certain possessions. He always surprises you, even though at this point it really shouldn't be a surprise. This is just who he is. Yeah, I would even you put in the caveat of like relative to expectations. I don't even know if that's necessary. To be honest with you, yeah, I mean, maybe. Gary Gary's been hurt. Um, I think he's better than Malik. He's better than Barton, uh, especially this season. Barton, I think, probably the worst of the of the five. And then Jamal Murray is the interesting one because, of course, Jamal Murray's more important. And you could even argue that it's not just the numbers, but the threat of him being on the court makes the Nuggets better, which I think is is probably true. Um, but Monte is just consistent night in and night out. On average, the the best of that group, I think, this season. I think it's fair. Uh, which guard do you think you're most concerned with going into the playoffs? Ooh, that's a good question. I know this is kind of wild. The answer would be Will Barton because he's the one that I think is playing by far the worst. Um, but my other answer is Gary Harris, and that is because I just think he's more important to the team. I mean, Will Barton can play bad and the Nuggets can win. Um, in fact, I think the impact that, that Will Barton has on the team most nights is probably negligible. Um, but... But Gary Harris is a guy that, like, he can be the Nuggets' best player in any given playoff game. And when I see nights like last night, he plays 35 minutes and gets five shot attempts. And that's kind of just been his M.O. over the, this last stretch. It's not that he's, like, missing shots. It's just that he's not that involved in the offense. Um, to me, that's concerning, and it makes me wonder just where he's at. He has not had double-figure shot attempts in four straight games now. We talked about this in Locked On Nuggets, I think, a week or two ago, or however long it was, and that was that was one of the points that I really wanted to stress, was that it's not necessarily that he's playing badly, it's just that he's not being involved, he's not being an integral member, and I think one of the reasons for that is when you, when you start Jamal Murray and you start Will Barton, and then you use those guys as the primary dribble handoff guys in the offense, 
they're scorers. They're first and foremost, they want to get their shots and they've they've struggled to find that balance between who to get the shot to and whether they're they are the best opportunity to score a basket at any given time. And usually the default option is to give it back to Jokic, but the the secondary option I think has to be to get the ball over to Gary Harris who when he is shooting well, the Nuggets are usually playing really really well. Uh, he can carry the team, as you said. I think it's going to be really, really important for the upcoming playoff series. And I think that you're right. I think that's a sneaky good pick for who you should be the most concerned with. Uh, I think it has to be between Harris and Barton. Uh, the other guys, Jamal Murray, you have to understand he's young. He's going to make mistakes. But he, as we saw last night, his ceiling is through the roof. And with He was more, really good last night. Yeah. Uh, he was... Uh, he was and he was as good last night as he was bad against Indiana. Yeah, that, and that's that's what you're going to get from a game to game with him, and you just kind of have to live with it. Um, the hope, of course, is that he figures out that consistency sooner rather than later. But I I don't think it's as concerning as the low end performances that Denver has been getting from their wings over the last few games. Uh, how much can you trust Monte Morris and Malik Beasley? late in a playoff series, game five, game six, game seven. Uh, are these guys that you throw out there if Denver's struggling with their current lineup, if they need a boost, are they guys that you like play 10 minutes a night, 12 minutes a night, just to make sure to get the starters out there for as much as possible? I think a guy like Malik doesn't carry a ton of pressure. I mean, in a playoff series, maybe guys will try to target him defensively, um, but I don't I don't know that that will be the case. More, it's, it's not a whole lot is expected of him. I don't think a lot of people are going to... I don't think we're going to be talking about Malik Beasley lost them a playoff series. You know, it's possible he makes a boneheaded mistake at the wrong point in time. But for the most part, the important guys are your starters. The, the backup guys, you know, hopefully they can knock down shots and, and do the role. So I don't know that I would consider him a liability. Certainly an X factor. If he goes in a playoff game, if he plays 15 minutes and goes 0 for 4... Denver's odds of winning go way down. If he goes four for four, the Denver's odds of winning go way up. So sure. he's more he's more of that X factor, but I think the expectations of him are as an X factor, and and, and so I don't know. And who was the other guy? Uh, well, Monte Morris or Malik Beasley, honestly. Monte is more integral to what the team does, in my opinion, because he runs the second unit. When Jokic is not in on the uh, on the floor, oftentimes it's Monte who's getting the Nuggets into and out of their set. So he's a guy that I could see becoming a factor and the one thing there's a couple things that Monte has sneaky struggled with this year and you know guys like Patrick Beverly I think can get into him and, and just physically um, put him in tough spots Monte can handle that pretty well but if, if you just reduce what he does by 15-20% you know that reduces Denver's second unit by 15 or 20% and then the other one is long guards and Sean Livingston is the guy I think of most I, I would have to go through yeah. the rosters to see if there's another sort of really long, tall guard that, that they might try to throw. And this might be a thing, if I was coaching against the Nuggets, I would probably put a bigger defender on Monte at all times, just just to kind of see how he handles it. Um, so Monte, I would say yes. Malik, probably less so. You know, the, the team that stands out here in my mind is Utah. Uh, when they have, their, their general backup guards were uh, Dante Exum and Raul Neto. But one of the key things that they did when they had their point guards out 
during that last game against Denver. And I know that they're using Isaiah, they're using Royce O'Neal to guard Isaiah Thomas, but transferring Royce O'Neal over to guard Monte Morris when Nikola Jokic is on the bench, that could be a really strong way for any team to neutralize what Denver's trying to do because when Monte can't get to his spots, that's what makes him so great is he he knows how to use his body to get to his spots. But when you provide such an excellent defender like a Royce O'Neal, that could really be that could throw a wrench in what Denver's trying to do. And that's the kind of counter that you see in a playoff series. So it's going to be interesting to see how Denver would respond to something like that. But I agree. That's what's so neat about the playoffs, though, is it, it, the teams will hold a mirror up to you to, to show you your flaws. And the flaws become – you could be great at 99 out of 100 things, but that one thing is going to be the thing that a team at least tries to exploit and expose. So for Monte, he's been so steady and so consistently great. But if that is a weakness, you know, Denver will have to figure out how, going forward, how to counter that weakness. All right. Gun to your head. Game seven. Five minutes left in the game. Which three guards do you close with, or do you close with a guy like Torrey Craig if you're dealing with a wing defender or a wing offensive starter? It probably depends a little bit on how the game is going, how the series has gone, and and the situation. But um, to me, I think Denver starters have the highest potential. Um, Barton has been that guy that just hasn't quite gotten his legs under him since the injury, but um, I still would roll with him unless, like as you mentioned, there's a need for Torrey Craig to be out there for something specific or, um, you know, maybe Malik Beasley, you, you just trust a little bit more floor spacing. I think he would he would be the option. But um, to me, late in games especially, especially in a game, seven-game series, do you feel confident in the Nuggets running a Murray-Jokic pick-and-roll with uh, Torrey Craig spotting up in the corner? If, if I'm guarding that, I just ignore Torrey Craig and I say, I dare you. First of all, I dare – Murray and Jokic to trust Torrey Craig to take that shot, and then I just dare him to, to be the guy to win, and if he knocks that down, so be it, but you're, you're going to kind of gamble with that option, so I, I, I think not having a weak point offensively is such an underrated thing in the NBA, especially these days, and trying to close with one guy that doesn't, it's not that he doesn't have to be guarded, but it's just, do you really want your entire season to come down to whether or not Torrey Craig makes a, a, a semi-contested three-pointer? I, I personally don't. No, I, I agree with you. It's it's a wonderful point. It's the way that the Houston Rockets would den- would defend Denver. They would leave Torrey yeah. Craig. They would put James Harden on Torrey Craig, let him float around, uh, let him rest when he's go- in late in games. So that's a, that's a bridge that the Nuggets are going to have to cross when they come to it, and I think it's something that Malone's just going to have to deal with in that case. You can't just let Torrey Craig be out there if he's A, not stopping the opposing player, and B, providing a, a major deterrent for what Denver's trying to do. So I, I agree if, with if, you there. If you can get away with it, Monte in that spot and playing three guards with Murray and Harris basically both playing the shooting guard position, to me that that is another situation. I mean, Monte does a lot of what we want Will Barton to do. The only difference is Will Barton's long enough to guard slightly bigger guys, but if there's lineups where it works for you to close like that, then I think that would be the best option. I agree. Uh, and again, if, if you don't trust Jamal Murray in those situations, or he's been struggling with handling ball pressure, then adding a guy like Monte Morris to handle the pick and roll with Jokic, that's probably the best way for Denver to close games in general. So, I agree. Let's take a quick break. We will be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. 
And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. numbers adam morris on the other line uh recently dubbed senior writer over here ryan blackburn talking to him uh wanted to get your thoughts adam i just wrote a piece on paul Millsap's stat of the week you actually edited said piece uh thank thank the lord by the way because there's always <laughs> certain certain phrases that i try and turn that just don't make any sense and without a strong editor behind the scenes there's no way that piece comes to fruition so thank you for that my favorite one if if i can kind of tease you for a moment here my favorite one was when you uh i think you put this on twitter that malone was so mad he could have an enema (laughs) 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 that was bad that was i there you know the thing that I try and do is I try and turn a phrase and it it's 95% of the way that I want it to be, but that 5% just doesn't really make much sense. And, and that's a great, that's a great example of it for sure. Uh, egg corn, it's not quite an egg corn, but I, I do a lot of, uh, a, a lot of those egg corns. Like, you know, it's just water under the fridge. <laughs> the reason screwing up the phrase is, is better than actually saying it right. So For sure. For sure. Uh, Paul Millsap. Second most por- second most important player on the team to you or no? No, I think I don't. I actually don't. Some of these are opinion questions, and some of them are not. This one I don't think is. I think he's clearly the second most important player. The yeah. numbers bear it out. Um, but also I, the way I put this Nuggets team is there's a yin and a yang. Jokic is the offensive like anchor and backbone, and Millsap is the defensive anchor and backbone. And um, when both of them are together, the Nuggets are pretty darn good. I agree. Uh, as as I wrote in this piece, the Nuggets are thirty nine and one in games where Millsap has posted a positive game plus minus. That is in itself just a a monstrous stat. It tells a lot of a different story with regard to Denver starters in general and how they kind of work together. But when Millsap is going well, when he's impacting the game, not necessarily in his scoring, but he's rebounding the ball he's been a much better rebounder this year he's passing the ball in spots he's impacting the defensive end of the floor in the way that he always does i don't think there's another guy on the nuggets roster outside of nikola jokic that's even close to the same caliber of importance that Millsap has uh, and one of the reasons for that is definitely the talent that the nuggets have behind him uh, there isn't a replacement for Paul Millsap in the Nuggets' offense and defense. Uh, the Nuggets do have guys at guard that can change out, but with Millsap, there's there's nobody behind him for sure. Yeah, Denver's forty-five and seventeen this season when Millsap is healthy. First, as great Jeez. as their record is, it's actually better when when Millsap plays and is healthy. So, um, if there's a way for him to to still be underrated um, amongst Nuggets fans, I think he still is. The net ratings would definitely say 
just even even more impactful than Jokic. And I, I don't necessarily agree with that fully, but what I think it does is it, it shows just the difference between what Jokic can do when he has uh, a big like Mason Plumley next to him or just kind of an inferior power forward or Tory Craig even who's kind of a pseudo power forward at this point versus a guy like Millsap who just fills the role perfectly he's he just slots in I, I the metaphor I used was kind of he's the key cog like while Jokic is kind of the conductor uh, Millsap is the first chair uh, I'm not sure if my if my symphony knowledge is on point there but just the <laughs> I way think you got it right I think oh, it makes sense wait oh, wait no first chair that oh yeah I guess that makes sense yeah that works <laughs> uh, the net ratings actually suggest that Millsap has more of a positive in fact impact on the offense than he does on the defense uh, I was I was curious to get your thoughts on this. Do the Nuggets need Millsap in the offensive lineup more because of the people behind him or because of what he does himself? Uh, neither. I, I think that what you're seeing in those numbers, and, and him and Gary Harris both, if you just look at raw on up, it, it shows that they're like significantly more valuable than anyone else. What, what I would say to describe that is, those guys have been healthy when the entire team has been healthy. Jokic has been healthy all year, which means he's played minutes with everyone healthy and without them. So, uh, you know, the games obviously where you're missing three starters, that your net rating is going to be lower than it is if you have all your starters. So, to me, Millsap has been has missed a period of time this season when also Gary Harris and Will Barton missed, and 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 just not being around for those games. One of which they lost to the Clippers by 21. Um, you know, not being in on those games allows you another one. They lost to Detroit by 26. He did not dress for that game either. So that that's where some of those net ratings, I think, get weighed down or, or boosted up. But um, it's clear to me that he is more impactful on the defensive end and what he does on offense, while important and maybe you could even argue underrated, um, is is significantly less impactful than defense. What's interesting is people don't necessarily associate him with big numbers defensively. But the numbers that I pulled in this article kind of put him in that upper echelon of talent. Uh, guys that have posted at least what he is posting in his steal rates, his block rates, his defensive rebounding, what he's done. All the guys that have matched or exceeded 1,000 minutes and are on that list are Millsap, Anthony Davis, Draymond Green, Andre Drummond, Dwayne Dedman, and Larry Nance. And so we talk about Larry Nance and Dwayne Dedman. They're kind of in a position where they're contributing to bad teams but the only guys there that Millsap can mat that that have actually matched and exceeded what Millsap has done are just the most talented players in the NBA and people are have have completely let this go over their heads when talking about what Millsap is capable of doing what his real impact is lots of discussion on whether Millsap was worth his three-year $90 million contract that I think the Nuggets are going to make sure he's here long-term, whether they have to pick up that team option or not. Uh, it's it's just really interesting to see the general narrative shift that occurred at the beginning of the season, where Jamal Murray was seen as the second most important player for a lot of the time, and then Millsap comes back and it's it's just clear as day what his, what his production is doing. Everybody listening knows I tell Ryan this maybe once a month 
what people are saying is irrelevant. <laughs> 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 I know this is tough to say, but you know, the, the, and I love our listeners, I love our readers, I love our fans, I love interacting with people. But you know, people's one thing I've learned from covering this league now for five years. The, the number one mistake people make is overreacting to small sample sizes and overreacting to the, the moment. You know, this moment that's happening, this thing that's happened is indicative. And that's why, you know, yes, the Nuggets have had the – they blew a lead against Detroit. They got the win. They barely beat Dallas. They got the win. The win is the thing that sticks. That's the, Your record sticks. It's, it is what it is. The little, like, ebbs and flows of the season, people just, I think, overreact to. And by the way, they never apologize. There's been so many times where the Nuggets have got – so what are they out – or more or longer this season and in every single one of them people have written me telling me that I'm way too optimistic about this team and that I'm I'm going to be late to the party about the bottom falling out and every time I tell them chill it's just a losing streak teams go through it that, you, people never apologize when they're wrong about these types of things it always cracks me up that's 100% you never want to get caught up in the narrative too much based off of what people are thinking what people are saying it's it's this is clear, hard data, clear, hard perspective on what's going on. And, and I think it was pretty visible in the game last night. Uh, the Nuggets struggle offensively. Uh, Millsap only goes 2 for 10 from the field. But he adds 14 rebounds and 5 assists and a steal and a block. And he holds Blake Griffin to 12 of 32 from the field. Like, yeah. the, the impact there is, is clear as day to me. It's it's never not going to be there. I really hope he continues to bring it in a playoff series. I'm, I'm curious to see whether this continues at the highest levels of competition. It's going to be interesting. Uh, if the Nuggets and Millsap uh, can't come to terms on a deal uh, that they want to agree to long-term next season, do you pick up the team option for $30 million? what's going on with the team in that in that way I, I, first of all what I say is I think that um, Paul Millsap I think is probably his goals align with Denver's goals probably more than, than I think people realize I see a lot of people oh I hope he does this I hope he does I think he wants to win and if he sees an opportunity for Denver right. to truly win um, I think he's willing to sacrifice that and one of the sales pitches look if the best thing that can happen to the Nuggets is to go to the Western Conference Finals this year and look like a legitimate up-and-coming team that has staying power because then you can go to Paul this summer and just say, look, man, we can win a championship. Uh, you know, we can have a shot at a championship if you play for, you know, $12 million or, or something somewhere around there. But we have a great chance at a, at a championship if you play for even less. And, you know, what's more important to you at this time? We can go get player X and do this or that and, and, we, and keep you on the roster. And, you know, he's a guy – the comments he had in a, a, a great article by, by Mike Singer at the Denver Post uh, a couple days ago, it really hints that he knows that. I mean, he kind of seemed to say that, you know, he's at the point in his career where he just wants to win and he's made a ton of money. Maybe he is willing to kind of do those things. But in terms of a situation in which Denver would pick up that option, yes, it could be a matter of they just couldn't come to an agreement and it's better to keep him than to lose him. And let me and let me just make this clear. If the Nuggets lost Paul Millsap this offseason, I actually think they would take a significant step back. I still think they'd probably be a playoff team, but I think winning a playoff series would, would, would be a surprise. That's how important he is to the team. And down the road, maybe guys step 
up and they can find a replacement or whatever. But right now, it's hard to imagine them being anywhere close to the team they are this year if they were to lose him. So there is a scenario where just picking up that option, having and then losing him or, or whatever makes sense. But I just don't think that's the way it's going to shake out. It's going to be interesting. I have no idea how the Nuggets would replace him. There are guys out there that could be available, available like Thaddeus Young and Marcus Morris. And, and Man, th- those are not the same, though. I agree. I, they're not even comparable. The only guy that I would say is comparable would be Draymond Green, who, I, if he's leaving uh, uh, Golden State, it's probably because he's getting paid. And I don't know that Denver's interested in paying Draymond Green for years going forward. Agreed. Uh, let's move on real quick. I want to talk about the rest of the season. Uh, there are nine games left. Uh, we've got six, or, or is that five? Oh, no, we've got five road games left, four games at home. Seven of the games are against West playoff teams. Uh, go through right now at Houston, at OKC, home against Washington, at Golden State, San Antonio, Portland, at Portland, at Utah, Minnesota, at home. How many of those games do you think the Nuggets should be favored in? Uh, and and do you actually see them winning and, and being able to clinch home court advantage through the first two rounds by themselves, or will they need some help? This is, this is an interesting one. I Denver's very tired. I, I actually think going into the postseason rested and, and, and fresh is by far more important than going into the this postseason with the two seed instead of the three seed. Their odds of being beating Houston in the second round are going to be really, really tough anyway, assuming Houston is a top three seed. They're already going to be underdogs. What you got to focus on is getting to the second round, which means you need your team to be uh, rested. I think one of the reasons that Denver blew that lead against Detroit was because they were just dead tired. I think Jokic had a lot of pep in his step in the first quarter, a little bit of pep in his step in the second quarter, and then looked like he just wanted to go lay down on a bed in the third and fourth. So <laughs> getting getting an opportunity to get some rest is important, but here's what's beautiful about it. They play the Rockets on Thursday. I think they need to go all in for that game because if you get that win, I actually think you can find three or four day games worth of rest down the stretch that don't matter. You end up having a, effectively a five-game lead on the Rockets. You play Portland twice, so you know you can kind of push your chips in for that those games. Outside of that, you can almost lose every other game, and it wouldn't matter. So to me, if I'm Coach Malone and if I'm the Denver Nuggets, I'm looking at that Houston game to me as like game 82 of the season, win or go home. You get that one, you get to rest down the stretch, have the two-seed, and 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 I think you're in the best possible position to make a run. If you lose that one, you might end up pushing your guys all the way down till game 82, and then you enter the postseason looking like they did in the second half of that Detroit game, or at least you know that's the fear. So, um, so how many do they win? I don't know. I just think that Thursday's game is the most important one. For sure. I I was going to ask you on a scale of one to ten, how important is that Houston game? But it sounds like you would put it at a nine or a ten. I would probably call it a 10. And again, if you just said how important is it for getting the two seed, I would probably say it's a six. You know, it's not that important. But if you said how important is it for them just in terms of being able to not you – know, you just don't want them to have to play. There's three – is it three sets of back-to-back? Six games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, three back-to-back still remaining um, between now and April 10th. That is exhausting. How great would it be to be able to rest every single back-to-back? Every single one. Just say, you know what, we're not we're not worried about it. We're not going to overextend our players and risk injury. 
we're just going to rest all of those. And Jokic, you only have five games left in the season, so you're going to be really fresh. I think that would be, to me, that's why it's a 10. Agreed. I And in, in not only that, but the getting continuing to get a, the monkey off the back with Houston would be yep. a great thing. When you've got your best players all playing and you've got their best players all playing and you go into Toyota Center... I believe that's what they're called, Toyota Center, and you take it to the Rockets and beat them by double digits on their home floor. That is the best possible scenario because, like you said, you can then rest against Oklahoma City. You don't care as much about that game. Already proven you can beat OKC. Absolutely. There's no there's no bearing on, on that game or, or bragging rights for that game. You've already... If, you've already... if they beat Houston, I would rest Jokic, Millsap, and Murray. To be honest with you, and, and you're, you're basically punting that game, but saving those guys from having to play that one, and then on top of that, you know, there's a good chance Denver plays Oklahoma City in the first round. They have not beaten Denver. To be able to say you get no scouting report on us, I have a feeling if Denver does play that game, they're going to try Nerlens Noel a lot early on and say, well, maybe we can try, you know, he gave Jokic some problems, let's try this out. Don't give him that chance. Don't even give him a look at that. So that, <laughs> I, it's easy to make that, that, um, gamble in a regular season if they want to try starting Nerlens Noel in game one of a playoff series good luck <laughs> yeah and too bad he's he's probably going to be facing Thomas Welsh so that's great <laughs> uh, I think that the Nuggets are probably going to finish around 54 and 28 or 55 and 27 that means they're going four and five or five and four uh, I they should obviously they shouldn't push too terribly hard uh but if they get this next game against Houston, then that's two games eliminated off of their magic number, which is the combined number of Nuggets wins and the opponent that's directly below them's losses. And so Houston is still in that position where if if Denver wins this next game, then Houston also loses that game. And that number goes from five to three. That means that Denver only has to win three more games. Or Houston, if they drop one, then that's another game down. So... This is definitely a scenario where the Nuggets control their own destiny. They can absolutely make this work. So let's go to another break real quick, and when we come back, we'll talk about Nikola Jokic. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're back. Nuggets numbers here. Adam Morris on the other line. Wanted to get into some Nikola Jokic discussion just because even though this is Nuggets numbers, I haven't really talked about Jokic as much as I think he deserves. With the season that he's having, Adam, I, you've been Nuggets fan for a long time, covering the Nuggets. Have you ever seen in your lifetime a season, a single season from a Nuggets player like what Nikola Jokic is doing right now? Well, I mean, 
like him is a relative term. I've never seen anybody play the style and be as impactful in, in a weird way. The guys that have been impactful are the guys that play in a way that you kind of expect them to. But even if you just talk about raw value to the team, I don't think I have seen a player that has his fingerprints so much on the style, culture, and possession by possession of the Nuggets the way that Jokic does. So, um, no, I would say he's uniquely valuable. I would agree with that. Uh, just going back through basketball reference, it's just one of the, the things I like to play around with a lot when we're having these kinds of historical discussions. Uh, there are some Alex English years on there. There's some. There's the David Thompson year in 1977-78. But this one may actually be the single best Nuggets season statistically of all time. Uh, Jokic is putting up the best box plus minus of any Nuggets player ever. Uh, what he's doing in combination with points, rebounds, and assists is something that's never happened before. Uh, I, it's close to the highest number of win shares that anybody's ever put up, which goes to show that it's not just him putting up great numbers. The team is also winning, too. So I think it'll probably come down to how Jokic performs in the playoffs, but he's putting on a great show so far. I mean, I would uh, I, I would agree with all of that. I I think when it's all said and done, and I've been on record for this. I think Jokic is going to be the best Nugget of all time. Um, yeah, playoff accomplishments will play into that, but let's be honest, there's not a lot of players with a great track record of playoff success in Denver. So, right. Um, it's a hurdle, but it's a small hurdle for him to kind of overcome. But um, just the style of play, you know, everything that he does, his unselfishness uh, and all of that, I think he'll be the best. More often than not in the playoffs, when you when you get to this point, it's which team has the best player. Uh, so often the the Nuggets have come to a situation when they're they're facing a Kobe Bryant or a Tim Duncan or one of those player equivalents. Uh, Stephen Curry ended up being the best player in the last playoff series that the Nuggets were playing. Uh, how do you? How do you think Denver will react to this, and and how many teams do you think Jokic would actually be the best player in a series against this Western Conference field? It's a good question, and I think a lot of times when we use that line, the best player in the series wins, we're talking about LeBron James, Steph Curry, James Harden. You know, right. We're talking about the guys that are like the fourth, fourth or fifth or a top five player in the league, and those guys are good enough to carry a team against a lesser opponent. I think Jokic is the guy that's like in the next tier. He's close to that. Um, we'll find out, especially with this being his first playoffs, we'll find out. But for example, I, I think he has been more valuable this year than say a Rudy Gobert. Well, does that mean that he's going to be good enough to, to single-handedly carry the Nuggets over the Jazz? No, those teams are close enough. I think he's better than anybody on the Clippers. I think he's better than anybody on the Blazers, including Lillard. Um, but is it so much so, I guess the, the, the Blazers now with the injuries, maybe they could go in the, the, a category where I, I would expect Denver to win and it would be a major disappointment not to. But like San Antonio, he's better than Aldridge. Um, but does that mean that he's good enough to carry the Nuggets over the Spurs? No, that one's still going to come down to other factors. So, um, But I will say this. And I, we were talking a little bit earlier about just the scoring of Jokic. Jokic is really tired right now, and you can tell that he's trying to just do enough to get by. When Denver really needed him in December and January, his scoring stepped up, and he was scoring the ball 25 points per game. I think in the playoffs, I think they're going to need 25 point per game, Jokic. 
and it'll be situational sometimes you know he'll still always have to make the right play but I think his aggressiveness looking for his shot in the playoffs series is going to be more important than it was in the regular season and I hope he enters with sort of that mentality to really go at his opponent and, and, and to score the basketball and force the defense to adjust this is another point where I completely agree. It wasn't just in December and January of this past year. It was to close the season last year. The way that yeah. he put the team on his back when they needed wins, when they needed his production, he came through in the clutchest of moments. And he didn't necessarily in the last three minutes of the Minnesota Timberwolves game, but throughout the first 45 minutes of that game, put up 35 points on Carl Anthony Towns and Taj Gibson's head. So... It was a it was an impressive performance. Just shows what he can do when he needs to rise to that moment. Uh, like you said, I I agree that he's the best player in a series against the Clippers, against the Spurs, against the Jazz, maybe against Portland. Though I think that Damian Lillard has really uh, he's he's taken his game to another level over the past few weeks. Uh, he may not be the best player against Golden State or Houston for sure. Oklahoma City, probably, based off of what they've done, although both of those guys have really struggled over the past few weeks, so you never really know. Uh, the Nuggets will need some other guys to step up for sure, but I see Jokic being extremely aggressive, and that's a, a different version of Jokic from what Nuggets fans are accustomed to seeing. Yeah, for sure, and, and part of this is maybe wishful thinking, because one of the things I keep saying is, I don't mind any take about the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs. None of us know. They're a real mystery in any of this. We've seen Jokic play passive and when you expected him to be more aggressive. We've seen him be clutch when we didn't expect him to be clutch. So I don't. I think any scenario is for Jokic in particular is possible and any scenario for the Nuggets is possible, but I certainly think he's capable. But the one thing I will say, whatever happens, that's going to be the narrative about him. And, and that's kind of what this is sports. It, it's not fair. I don't think it's fair to say that. But if Jokic comes out and just dominates and, and leads Denver to the Western Conference Finals where understandably they lose to the Golden State Warriors, I think Jokic's reputation going forward is that he's a clutch playoff caliber cornerstone of a championship contender type player. If they lose in the first round to, say, the Jazz, I think people are going to say, oh, he's a sideshow. He's he's Enos Cantor on steroids. He's fun, Ugh. but playoff times, he, you know, he's you can scheme for and make him irrelevant. And I don't think either of those narratives will likely be true after one playoffs, but those, that's the thing that's probably going to stick. It's crazy. And Enos Cantor on steroids just really gets to me just because he... <laughs> He has completely and utterly proved that in the regular season. But like you said, the playoffs are just a different beast. Uh, as we saw with Carl Anthony Towns last year, that's kind of the narrative that's followed him around for most of this season, even though I think he's really taken his game to another level as well. Uh, the thing about this, Damian Lillard's playoff reputation is pretty strong, right? I mean, yeah. he's a playoff performer. That's because his first year they went to the second round and he hit that big walk-off, one of the coolest shots ever, a walk-off Super cool. game winner. Right, that that his reputation on that shot and on that series has hung around. He's only made the second round once since then. He's been swept two years in a row. Uh, he had one year where they won one game as gentleman sweep, but his reputation is this clutch guy. So fair or not, and I would say it's not fair, but fair or not, the reputation, whatever the Nuggets do, and whatever Jokic in particular does, is going to be the narrative that surrounds him for for quite a long time. Unfortunately, so. In a playoff series, let's say that Jokic is 10% worse than what he has 
what he has shown so far. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. I, I don't know if I can predict that positively or negatively, but say he's 10% worse. How does Denver respond in those situations? What do they do defensively if he can't hold up in the pick and roll? Uh, what if a team is going at him consistently time and time again and the Nuggets just can't get stops? What, what, what happens? Yeah, well, like, what, how, do, how do they react? The Nuggets? Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the Nuggets are screwed without him. I mean, I don't, I don't think this is a scenario where you could say, oh, yo, if this isn't your series, you're going to play, you know, we're going to play some else a little bit more minutes or, or go away from you or anything like that you're going to live or die by Yo- how Jokic plays I mean that's step number one for Denver Nuggets winning any game especially a playoff game is Jokic needs to dominate step number two that's not the only step on top of that you also have to get production from some other key pieces like Jamal like Paul like Gary but uh, if, if Jokic plays poorly those other things it's not that they don't matter it's that every one of them has to go right if you get Jokic playing well and you get Murray playing well Denver wins nine times out of ten if you get Jokic playing well and Harris playing well you probably win eight times out of ten if you get Jokic playing poorly you need Gary Barton Murray Monte you need the whole gang showing up and playing well just to make up for for his lack of production it's crazy and and that's probably just what happens when you're when you're so focused your offense is so emphasized with Jokic being a fulcrum um, and even the defense too like the Nuggets have done a really good job of insulating him but what he has done over the course of this season defensively I don't think that can be understated he's had a lot of great moments in the clutch where he's making plays too so if that doesn't happen then uh, I think I agree with you the Nuggets are probably just screwed uh let me ask you this. Give me one bold prediction on what Jokic does in the playoffs and what the Nuggets do in the playoffs this year. Not necessarily winning a certain number of games or when you think they go out, but like, what's one thing that Nuggets fans don't see right now happening that's going to happen? So, so for you to ask, I'll answer the question, but for you to ask this, it's not that I like, oh, this is something I believe. People are going to be surprised by this. Just watch. I don't actually have a belief about the Nuggets in the playoffs. I'm very belief neutral about them, and I think all things are possible. But to kind of pick a side and just throw my chips on one side of a, of a situation here, I do think Jokic is capable of absolutely dominating a one-on-one matchup. And um, I, I think that there's a better chance than, than not that Jokic comes out in a playoff series and is very, very aggressive, looking not just aggressive as in, let's get this team going, but aggressive as in, I am going to outplay whoever's guarding me so, 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 to such a degree that this series is over. You know, the, 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 the I'm just going to, like LeBron James against, maybe not to that extent, but LeBron James against the Raptors where it's like, yeah, you guys have all these cool pieces, but guess what? You don't have me, and so we win. I think Jokic can do that, again, on a lesser scale. And if he does, then he's going to put up some some ridiculous numbers. Remember, Jokic plays, what, 30-something minutes, 31 or 32 minutes per game this year? He's going to be playing 37, 38 minutes per game in a playoff series. Uh, Yeah, he plays 31 and a half. He's going to be playing... Um, you know, 38 minutes in a playoff series, and his third per per 36 numbers, 23 points, 12 rebounds, eight and a half assists. If he, if he can even just maintain his regular season production, but up the minute total by five six minutes, he's going to be putting up some some pretty impressive numbers. You almost basically named my predicted stat line for him. I think he's going to average 
12, 24 points per game, 13 rebounds, and eight assists in a in the grand scheme of the playoffs. I don't I don't know if that's going to be one playoff series or if it's going to be multiple, but I think he's going to average 24, 13, and eight. And to to even say that, to even fathom something like that. Is pretty bonkers. Uh, Giannis is basically putting up around that number this year. Those are MVP caliber numbers, and Nuggets fans, even if the the chips fall negatively, they can take that with solace that they have a top ten player on the roster right now. Uh, people keep underselling him. People keep saying this isn't going to work. We don't know if it's going to work. I tend to believe that it's going to. I think that there are only two teams in the NBA that can really take advantage of his weaknesses in the way that, uh, in the way that it's actually going to impact him super negatively, and that's Houston and Golden State. Uh, it's too bad that both of those teams play in this conference, but if the Nuggets were in the East, I think that they go to the finals. That's pretty. That's pretty strong, strong opinion. I mean. I, the only thing I'll say is we just don't know about this team in the playoffs. Michael Malone, play, coaching, I think, becomes more important in the playoffs. And, you know, adjusting in real time, being prepared, all these things. And, and I, I I hope that, that Malone is great at those, but he's very much a rookie, just like the rest of these guys are rookies in terms of playoff experience. So it'll be a learning curve for him as well. Um, but you know what? If Denver, I, I think most Nuggets fans right now feel like if Denver can get out of the first round, Everything else is gravy, and I want the Nuggets to get to that point again where everything's gravy. It, had they had they been on a 15-game win streak right now, and they had spent the entire season as the eight seed, and now they're surging all the way up to the two seed, everything would be sunshine and rainbows right now. But the fact that they've been top two basically all year, and they're still top two, it's it's almost like it's gotten old. I hope the Nuggets can get back to that point where they're playing with house money because I think they're very dangerous when they're playing with house money. Agreed. There's almost this narrative going on that, oh man, we didn't get the one seed or or we're not we're not going to be the top seed in the entire playoffs. Like, okay, <laughs> cool. But yeah. that's because the Nuggets did their job. They they have gone out and done everything that the NBA world has asked of them, that Nuggets fans have desired from them, and and then some. They've, they've gone above and beyond these expectations, and that could all change in the playoffs, but we're just going to have to see. So I'm going to leave it with that. Adam, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, obviously, you guys can fa- find his work at Locked on Nuggets and on DenverStiffs.com. Adam, do you have anything planned going into the next couple of weeks? I don't think so. I think the Houston game is a big one, so I'm, I'm really excited for that. Excited to see how Denver approaches it, and if they get the win, I think Denver's in great, great shape. It's going to be fun to watch. So, Nuggets fans, thanks for taking the time, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Yeah.